Good morning, people of the internet. You are listening to Debbie Radio 79.5 FM, a podcast where we discuss the movie Gross Point Blank one minute at a time. I am your co-host and co-producer, Hugh David, and with me today is my fellow co-host, co-producer, and the originator of this incredibly mad idea, Dev. Hello, Dev. Hello, folks. Um, Yes, so on today's minute, we are going to be looking at Minute 25, in which Martin Blank finally has a reunion with his mother, and it does not go quite the way I think he expected. Also joining us on today's show, we have Darren Husted. Darren. Hello. Yes. I mean, uh, obviously, I think, you know, uh, Martin Blank is, he's been in shock for the last couple of minutes. So much shock that he had to call his his therapist. Um, so, I mean, also, this speaks to the efficiency of um, his assistant because, you know, he's like, he says to her, you know, get my mother, like literally, <laughs> and then we cut to the care home. There's the mother. Mm, um, mm. So it makes you think maybe he, before he went back for his high school reunion, he should have got Marcella to do a, just a tiny bit of research as to <laughs> what had gone on. <laughs> but, you know, we wouldn't have had the shock and surprise if if he'd been a bit more thoroughly researched, much like, you know, we wouldn't have had a lot of, you know, slasher films in the 80s if people had been a bit more sensible about planning where they decided to stay. You know, like, why are you going to a cabin in the middle of nowhere? Obviously, mm. the evil from the trees is going to come and kill you and make you stab each other. Like, you know, so, yeah. But I I, I appreciate the kind of smash cut gag of like, you know, find my mother and then straight away. It's not like suddenly 10 scenes later, we're at this, you know, like he's not going to go and do other stuff in between. He's like literally shows up straight away so i appreciate that efficiency in the script of like straight away from he's asking where she is then he's there and that's it and it's yeah. you know it's one of the things that i like about the film like you say you know the script has had gone through a lot of different changes and you know notoriously had gotten very very long and kind of out of control and they, they kind of found a bit of the film in the edit so i like that they they just kind of cut to the chase you know there's no need to they don't even go with like an exterior establishing shot they're like literally inside the care home and that's you know they're like you'll, you'll get what's going on there's a bunch of people in wheelchairs and a bunch of old people like you know there's mm, people who look mm, like nurses mm. we're not going to spell it out for you like we're just gonna yeah good point. throw you it's straight just, in yeah. and just you know we we everyone knows what a care home looks like although this looks like a really nice care home if i'm honest with you it looks like <laughs> it's you it know it feels like even if mary doesn't know where the money he's sending home is going at least it's going somewhere that's taking yeah. care yeah. of yeah that's this, I mean, this looks ex- like an expensive place to live. Like, it looks very well staffed. Like, it looks like it's a one-to-one yeah. ratio of, like, nurses to to people. So, Or at least, like, one-to-three. Mm. Like, it seems like a very good ratio for the... So, yeah. Mm. Um, but, you know, we get... We get uh, I, I mean, it's been a while since I've watched the whole film. And obviously for this, it, you know, in the tradition of movies by minutes, I only watched the five minutes that were sent to me. I didn't really watch the film. <laughs> Because um, I've seen I've seen it enough, I you know. But I'm trying to remember: is 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 Barbara Harris in any other scenes after this? Like, is this the only time that he speaks to his mother? This is like this is literally it. Yeah, yeah there is nothing else. Yeah. So, but uh, you know, like it. it I mean, I figure we're going to get into it, but obviously this is her final appearance on film, so it's interesting that this one scene is like this is it. This is. This is Barbara Harris's, like, you know, 
I mean, she, she, it's not like she died the next day. She, you know, no. this is not this is not a Father Ted situation. Um, you know, she no. she was around for like you know until like 2018. Um, but it's interesting that this is like, you know, the last film that she was uh she was in, and I seem to remember being in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I yep. think, yeah. She was. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Uh, Peggy Sue got married, was probably where some people of a certain age will know her from. Yeah. In the original Freaky Friday, 76. Uh, Family Plot, which was one of the last Hitchcocks. Nashville, which is one of the great Altmans. Uh, I mean, quite a few very interesting, like, 70s titles that were more better known back then, if you know what I mean. Oh, um, I mean, I, you know, uh, there's. Yeah. I love the film Who is Harry Kellerman and his why he's saying those terrible things about yeah. him just because it's yeah. a really, really long title. <laughs> and <laughs> and I, I'm always a fan of, like, I when I was, when I was like, I don't know, 15, 16, I had like, um, you know, I'm, I don't know that it's a thing that exists much these days. I think, in fact, I think Leonard Moulton's given up on the format. But, you know, you used to have those, like, yeah, the, the, the guides. Yeah. But I had, like, one that was, like, an off-brand. It wasn't Leonard Moulton. It was a different, mm. like, just video. It was just, like, video cassette guide or something like that. Yeah, and I, I, do, I knew the one. I had a copy. Yeah. And I do remember, like, yeah. going through and looking up, like, weird titles of films. And that was always yeah. one that stood out to me. Also, uh, Rap Fink A Boo Boo is the, <laughs> is the name of a film. And it's yeah. and it's like it's called that because somebody forgot to put the words and on the actual title screen, so it's literally listed as rap fink a boo boo. Yeah. It's such well, a, if you yeah. that, if you if you like the Barbara Harris one you mentioned, there's one on IMDb four years earlier called Oh Dad, Poor Dad, Mama's Hung You in the Closet and I'm Feeling So Sad. Do you know what I, was, the, I literally clicked through to that one because <laughs> I was like, what the hell is that? Yeah, do you know the funny thing is I do rec- I do recognize that title because. Um, crazy listen like you know previously i used to listen a lot more uh when i you know when i would commute before you know the bad times uh to doug loves movies and occasionally he would name that as like a film because he liked because obviously it's a title that you don't forget and so you know when people when there was certain people you know that when they were like guessing for like um you know actors and stuff like that he would he would list that as a title occasionally and it's uh yeah based on a play that's the, that's the that had the exact same name. Ah, no, that explains a lot. Yeah, it's very much a, a theatrical kind of thing. Yeah, but uh, I do like I do yeah. like who is Harry Kellerman and why is he saying those terrible things about me? That she was yeah. no, she was nominated for an Academy Award for that. Yeah, no, I mean she's a you know again another face that you know movie people will know. You know, yeah. Um, I mean, I think I think that is as much Armitage as Cusack because Armitage is from the same era. Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's much true. him. I think I think whereas other casting choices are very much going to be very smack, very much smack of Cusack and his tastes and knowledge. I think uh, you know, and obviously the Joe Strummer on the soundtrack is a big example of that. But in terms of in front of the camera, I get the impression there's a number of faces which were very much there because of Armitage. Um, yeah, and I, you know, the, it's a heartbreaking moment. It's a heartbreaking minute. Yeah, I mean, like to to portray like the confused mother who doesn't quite know where she is or what's going on, you know, and and like we say, up until this point, it's you know, it's it's a lot of you know what I do like about this film. Obviously, if you're a fan of John Cusack, this film is 99% John Cusack. There's a lot of John Cusack Mm -hmm. in it, Um, but this is a nice little moment where somebody else kind of gets the spotlight a little bit, and he's allowed to kind of play off, you know, what he's kind of figuring out. Um, you know, 
I will say when I was doing uh, the podcast about Clueless, uh, obviously it was talk about Wallace Shawn and people did mention the Wallace Shawn film, Nice Girls Don't Explode, which also had uh, Barbara Harris in, which is just a great, like such a, such a perfect title for a film. Cause you're like, yeah, nice girls don't explode. Um, Do they? Yeah. But uh, in that she plays like an overprotective mother. So I think she'd kind you know, she's kind of got a little bit typecast in her last few roles as like uh, mm. you know, the mother. Mm. Um, but I don't know. Is she actually old enough to be John Cusack's mother? Is this credible casting oh, in terms of point. the age difference? That's a very good point. Uh, let's have a quick look. Uh, born in 1935. Yeah, she's definitely. So, so, what's Cusack like? Seventy or sixty something? Uh, Early sixties. Yeah. Yeah. It's plausible. Yeah. 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 Um. But what's interesting is is because of the era, the generation of actress that she is, and the kind of as you say, you know, we're talking about seventies films, things with a more theatrical feel before that. Um, I think that's a big part of what makes it work here, because we're talking about the you know, if you're wondering why these people moved out to the suburbs and you know, raised children who then got into punk and <laughs> hated what was going on. This is, you know, she, she fits that bill, right? There's a kind of, you know, the casting enables us to, to very, very quickly buy into the the reality that's being proposed as Martin's background. Um, but I like the fact that they get her to question um, what we've taken for granted with him so far. Like, literally, she's like, why are you wearing all black? <laughs> You look like a gangster. <laughs> yeah, the one person who gets it spot on from the start is the one person who, as otherwise, is losing her marbles. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I and love I, that. I think it also like we get a bit more of the backstory as well of like obviously yeah. he's you know uh, he you know he walked out on this on on this town you know ten years ago and he's saying to her here you know what happened to the money? Like I've been sending you money. What happened to the money? So we, we get the idea that obviously, even though he, he walked out, uh, he still, you know, felt the the need to take care of his mother. And, you know, we're seeing her in a state obviously here where, um, you know, she's not, she's not that old. If she's born in 1935, what is she here? Like 52, something like that. Uh, my math is not that great. 62, maybe. 35, uh, 40, 60, 62. Yeah. yeah. So, like, obviously, you know, 62-year-olds aren't all going senile. Like, there's, so it feels like there's something else, like there's been some other outside influence that has accelerated her decline. And yeah. somebody yeah. has possibly taken advantage of that and used that to, for some reason, buy up a house raise it to the mm. ground and then build what is effectively a 7-Eleven in the middle of a street um, yeah. along with a small yeah. parking lot. And so yeah. I, I, it's just, again, you know, we've commented on how odd it is that that, that has happened, but I I think, uh, you know, the, the oddness of it is, is part and parcel. Like there's obviously somebody who opportunities, you know, it's just an opportunity for them to be like, well, this person is willing to sell this house you know, this is going to be a great location. We can probably get it cheaper because of the state she's in. And again, we're, we're left to wonder if Martin walking out has contributed to her, you know, being in poor health. You know, if even though he's sending money, which, you know, 
it's not the same as him being there to support her. It's you know, it feels like obviously it was sent out of guilt. Um, yeah, there's a comment about her taking lithium, right? Yep. Martin says, yeah, yep. and, 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 and taking lithium, which is obviously a, a medication for uh, various mental illnesses. Yeah, but um, and you add that to the fact that she says, "Oh, I just talked to your father," and he goes, "I imagine that'd be rather difficult," implying the father's gone in whatever way. We as want as will be confirmed, yeah. In a yeah, thing. but so so there's three parts to this. You know, it, there's the mental health issue. There's the fact that she's no longer with his. Yeah, you know, the father is gone, and therefore, both of those things, quite plausibly, will contribute to the decline. And also, you know, sending money back isn't literally is not the same as like you can send as much money as you want, but if someone's in a vulnerable situation, then it it, it leaves people who can prey on her, and obviously somebody must have because there's an ultimate where his house used to be. Like we say, he can go home. You know, he can't go home, but he can shop there now. And right, there's got to have been something that led up to that, particularly as it's only been ten years. It has like this is not like he's. coming yeah. back for like his 20th reunion or 20 like it, it feels like such a short time that something must have been happening before she left and also yeah. that might have contributed to him leaving he might have thought yeah, no, I've had enough of this you know the one thing that I would point out is in terms of coming back home he probably I mean he undoubtedly could have done it sooner but for a good chunk of that he was in service so his ability to actually just return home would have been fairly limited it's clear that he didn't want to but it wasn't as if he could have just you know turned around and gone home at the drop of a hat if he's you know stationed in the gulf or if he's you know undercover in burma it's it's not a situation where he can just choose to return home Mm. yeah but I mean, Although at the, at same, the, at the same, same time, time it's clear that he didn't want to in any case. But, yeah. yeah, but then, like, you know, thinking about uh, conflicts of of the the past kind of thirty years, eighty seven to ninety seven is a relatively peaceful time in terms of the American armed forces. Like, so I can only think of the like the first Gulf War as being like a major conflict that they took part in. So, and then, but then after that, that explains why he gets demobbed out and ends up yeah. doing what he's doing yeah so it, it there is so it does feel like he had that excuse but i don't know how long that lasted and then obviously you know it feels like it's been more of a choice certainly for the last i would say four or five years that he's yeah. decided yeah. not to go back yeah. like we say he did no research before coming there yeah. you know yeah marcella finds his mom quickly enough he could have easily done a cursory thing and from what I remember of the yeah. opening of the film, Marcello is the one who's encouraging him to go back to his for his high school reunion. Yeah. So she, yes. she could have done some research for him if he'd have asked. Like I'm sure she would have happily done it. Like what's the, I almost what's... feel like she should have done it in any case because I feel like she's the one that usually preps him on everything. Well, what's the betting she didn't? Or she did do it. I'm like, I reckon she did it. She just didn't give it to him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she was like, how do I tell my boss that his home is now a convenience yeah, store? Yeah, exactly. And his mother is in a, a care home for the last, like, five yeah. or six years, and most of the money has probably disappeared. Yeah, because he's already told, because at that point, he already told her, I'm going to fight if you mention this again, and she's mentioned it again, and then she's hiding in the office and before talking to him about it. So, yeah, I reckon she knew. 
and she's just keeping it. That's why she's saying, "Go back, go back." She wants, you know, she's hoping you'll fix things. You know. Yeah. Well, having seen her secretarial <sighs> skills in the late eighties, you know, it's something she could easily manage. Um, mm-hmm. You know, to find this information. Uh, I'm choosing Absolutely. to believe that that's the same character that she was playing in Working Girl. <laughs> well, this is the Joan Cusack universe. Yeah. Right? Um, but yeah, you know, Absolutely. It's, it's yeah, it's a sad scene, you know. It's and, and it, like you know, obviously, the, the fact that also this is like her last performance is is it kind of makes it you know at the time it wouldn't have been bittersweet, but now it feels a bit more bittersweet that this is you know this is her and you know. It's not like she didn't have a career, you know. She she won a Tony. Mm-hmm. She she was nominated for an Oscar. She was nominated for a Golden Globe three times. Like this is somebody mm-hmm. who, you know, in the kind of late sixties, you know, to early eighties, was you know a prominent actress. And then here she is, mm-hmm. kind of like in a tiny role in a, well, you know, film that didn't make a huge amount of money. Um, you know, like in the in the the mid nineties, and it's you know it's it kind of feels like a bit of a like a sad end to her career although you know this is a great film and obviously you know she's not really senile <laughs> you know obviously she's acting but yeah it's one of those things where when you see when you see actors it like i don't know if about you guys but when i see an actor on film and the last film they're in they their character dies it's as if they've died in that film and then you know a year later they die in real life and you're like it's weird that they kind of like the last time you see them is dying on screen. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think also this speaks a little bit to this kind of fate of women in cinema of once they hit 30, maybe 35, uh, they're delegated to spinster slash mother slash aunt Mm. in, in every subsequent film that they do, because, Hollywood's appetite is for the young and especially in the case of women and I think that was I think it's still true but it was certainly true in the in the 90s and and 80s and well I'll tell you I'll tell you this I'll tell you this about Tom Hanks in the film The Burbs he played a dad for the first time and he hated the idea that people would see him as a dad that he basically the role of the his kid he basically had it rewritten and rewritten and rewritten, rewritten until he basically isn't in the film anymore because Tom Hanks didn't want people thinking of him at, at the time he was starting to approach like his late thirties as being a dad despite the fact that he was obviously at the point where he could have a teenage son um, and he like wow. resisted that in like it takes it like after that it takes a lot more like it takes until like Sleepless in Seattle before he's a dad again. And then if you look at his wow. career and you look at when Tom Hanks was a dad in films, it t- it takes like a really long time before he kind of fits into the groove of being wow. a dad. Even in even in you've got, you've got Mail, you look if in You've Got Mail, he's got kids with him when he goes to like the bookstore. Those are right. the kids of his dad who's remarried. They're not his kids. He's not a dad in that film, but he's got like an 8-year-old with him. And that enables like the meet cute, but that's yeah. he's he's like it's the most complicated on-screen relationship possible because his dad is like in his seventies and he's like remarried this trophy wife who's got like a younger kid, and that's a, that's how far they went so that Tom Hanks wouldn't be seen as a dad on screen in that film. Wow. And that's because an... he has the knowledge of of what happens when you you 
one time show up in that. Right? Yeah. I mean, he did three Robert Langdon films as he's approaching his 60s. He's not married or got any kids. Like, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. just interesting. Like, the, like, you know, it's it's kind of one of the reasons why he wanted to be that character, because it's like he's not a dad. You know, in Castaway, he hasn't got any kids. He gets cast away, and when he comes back, his wife is married and got kids. And it's like, he's, you know, just him, like, even in Saving Private Ryan, he talks about his wife. He doesn't mention any kids. <laughs> he's not a dad. He's a school teacher, so he's got that role that can be seen as being fatherly, but he's not. He's, he does not say that he's a dad at any point. So, but yeah, because he, he understands. He, he, like, he knew you know, he did like Turner and Hooch the, like the year before the Burbs, and he did like Joe vs. the Volcano after it. Neither of those films is he a dad, and in the Burbs, he's barely a dad. Uh, you know, he understood. He understood what happens as soon as you become a dad or a mom, then that's it. It's why I see some like so, so you see some actresses these days, and it's like they've gone from being you know the kind of the the teen girl or the college girl, and then suddenly they've got like a teenager, and you're like, what the hell, like. We've only jumped a few mm. years. What the hell happened? <laughs> How did all of their mm. roles suddenly turn into them being like married women with like a teenage son? Like mm. it's, it, it's like you say, it's just a thing that happens. So, uh, but yeah, it's funny mm. as well because in Nice Girls Don't Explode, Barbara Harris's role is literally just mom. Yeah, like that's the so, ca- that's so, the character name. I mean, coming back to her, I mean, I didn't know this. I've just been looking at the, the trivia on IMDb, and I know that's not always the most trustworthy. <clears throat> of facts, but this much I found some corroboration for this. I didn't realize that she is regarded to be one of the most, uh, one of the original pioneers of improv- improvisational theater. Yeah, she was part of the Compass Players, which is one of two major uh companies. Second City is the other one, I've heard of Second City, and apparently, uh, one of the scenes she created with Alan Arkin yeah. is considered one of the masterpieces of improvisational theater and is studied all the time it's called museum piece yeah so there's an interesting connection wondering if it may have had some explanation as to why she's in this small role and happy to do just this small role but also uh the last she'd done tv a little bit of tv just before this she did some uh at the end of the 80s going into the early 90s but then she was supposed to be she was up for a tv movie for a lead role of uh, called Gypsy, which had been a Broadway smash. Yeah. And yeah. she was fired. This is 93. She was fired from it and Bette Midler got the role. Yeah. And I'm wondering if the, the sort of the lack of, there's so little TV in her career at that point. I wonder if she was just getting fed up with it all because, you know, like a lot of people in, in, in her career, she'd started it with some TV, you know, and as well as theater and then got into the movies. And I feel like she was just getting to that point of kind of like, you know what? I'm getting tired of this, and I can I can see somebody like Arkin saying, "Oh, I've just read the script. I know exactly who'll be perfect for this little this role." And her going, "Oh yeah, that's, that's cool. I can ta- I'll take that one." You know, I can see that. Again, yeah. speculation. I, I yeah, think. no, I I could well imagine that Arkin is the reason that she's in this film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but but yeah, but also the fact that Armitage said he allowed people to. Yeah, you know, the improvisation is a big part of this film, as we know from the interviews with Armitage. Um, and you know that was a that was a big part of it. So I think again, important to cast literally one of the people who helped invent that. Um, and I imagine that's what gives that that scene is so there's such a, a an honest feel to everything, and it feels real, even as it's slightly off the wall. Yeah. Um, I still 
I still can't get over the idea that Martin thinks that the best place to sit down in is a wheelchair. Oh, well, she's the one that suggests it. He does it because she directs him to it. No, I know. And she's like, they but, can be fun. Yeah, but it's like, it's him. This is the guy who needs his back to the wall everywhere, who needs, do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, this is, this is a little boy coming back to his mother. Oh, absolutely. He's going to do what she says. Yeah, the last line to Marcella before he comes into this into this set is, you know, I want my mum. Find my mum, I want my mum, yeah. yeah. I want my mum is literally the yeah. last thing after I find find her. You know, you're like, uh, yeah. okay, let's 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 nail the subtext to the text to the master and make it the text, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it works. Absolutely. Yeah. Disappointed he didn't buy any of the Fago though for him for them to drink together. <laughs> You know, if you had memories well, of Michigan and your mother like getting you drinks, they feel like a family that would have had some Fago in the fridge. I can see it, yeah. Well, this was Minute 25 of Gross Point Blank Podcast, Debbie Radio 79.5 FM, featuring your hosts, co-writers, and co-producers, myself, Dev Sodega, and my friend, Hugh David. And today's guest and all this week with us has been Darren Husted, veteran of many Movie by Minutes podcasts. Darren, if you want to find you online, where do they go? Well, I mean, I've mentioned Tom Hanks because obviously, you know, I am the authority on Tom Hanks now because I have a podcast that is called T. Hanks for the Memories. It came to me while I was watching uh, The Money Pit uh, and I thought to myself, do you know what? I better be fun to talk about all of Tom Hanks's films. Uh, something which was correct until I got to the Polar Express and uh, the Da Vinci Code. And then, you know, it's let's say the last kind of 15 episodes have been a bit rougher. So, um, you know, but yeah, there's like a 14, there's like a 14 film run where he literally did like banger after banger. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you if you want to search for T. Hanks for the memories, um, I, I see Q, you're trying to figure out what that run is. Um, and it's it starts with it starts with a league of their own, and it goes all the way yep. through to I don't know fourteen films later. I can't remember. It, yeah, it yeah, finishes no, abruptly I, I with it. Polar Express. It's probably like that. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, but, you know, that's Zemeckis and his CG demands. Yeah, but yeah, I, the thing is, Bobby Z had you know he he'd sent him in the right direction. So and it's weird that like yeah. Ron Howard is the director that he's worked with the most. It's just such a bizarre. I mean, they started together with Splash, so but you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if you want to hear me talk wow. about Tom Hanks with various people, apart from the third uh, Robert Langdon film, where I could not find anyone who wanted to be a guest on that. And so I had to do that by <laughs> myself. <laughs> that is how bad that film is. Could not find a guest. Um, so, yeah. Wow. So, you know, search for T Hanks for the memories or stick my name into any podcatcher and you'll be able to find it. Um, but yeah, Fantastic. it's been great talking to you guys this week. About this little stretch of uh, Gross Point Blank. Now I have to go and rewatch the film, all of it, so I can just remember the entire film rather than just these. Although when I get to these five minutes, I'll have memories and I'll be like, oh, I remember talking about these five minutes on a podcast. <laughs> Well, that's all we can ask for. Uh, you can find us at all good podcast players as well as on YouTube, X, if it's still called that, or even around by the time you hear us, and Spotify. We are on all three platforms at Debbie Radio as well as on our website, DebbieRadio.com. And in all those cases, it is spelled D-E-B-I Radio. That is D-E-B-I Radio. You can also talk with us on the Facebook listeners group. That is called Debbie Radio 79.5 FM Fan Club. So uh, jump on there and let us know what your favorite part of this movie is. 
sure was clear that all of this was new concentrating hard like a little girl smoking for the first time